It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight. Expertise. Top guest. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Here we go. Good Monday morning to you and yours. Travis, John, already on the board. Caleb in the big NYC, New York City. He's on assignment uh, trying to determine why Todd Helton wasn't uh, actually invited into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. That's what he's doing. No, he's got other things going on. But he's in the NYC. I'm still in Tennessee. And I'll tell you what. Caleb, you know you really love the people you work with and the people you get to talk to on a day-to-day basis. When I, over the weekend, and it started Thursday and Friday, and Caleb noticed a little bit because I was blowing my nose during the commercials, I had a terrible cold, and I thought to myself, I'm glad this is on the weekend so it doesn't preclude me from visiting with Caleb and our listeners. And I thought that, and that's when you know things are going good. Good morning, Caleb. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. It's sunny and nice in New York. You know, the last two times I've been here, it snowed. So I'm loving this weather right now. And I haven't seen New York in the sun, I mean, maybe since like 2016. (laughs) I had a trip recently to Massachusetts, and you can have the Northeast and keep it all to yourself. (laughs) that was the end of it when the snow froze and me with my artificial hip and i'm walking around thinking that i'm going to slip and slide and fall and it froze the snow froze into ice 
And uh, that was it. That was good. I'm good. There's a debate about whether or not the Northeast starts in New York or after you get north of New York City, though. There, there's, a, there's a legit debate if New York City's the northernmost part of the mid-Atlantic or the southernmost part of the Northeast. That's fair. All right, boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. Over the weekend, Tennessee basketball against Auburn. Also, Jalen Hyatt and the University of Tennessee wants you to think that he ran just an incredible time in the 40. I'm not sure about that. Nick Saban weighs in on permanent opponents. And let me go ahead and tell you, because of who this came from, and that's Sports Illustrated with Ross Dellinger, this is an insight into who are going to be the permanent opponents, not only for Alabama and Tennessee. This wasn't accidentally released by Nick Saban. He believes this is a direction. So while this is not set in stone, I'm going to go ahead and give you all of those later on in the program because I believe that's who they will be. And then you remember Quentin Dormandy, a guy that I really liked, a Tennessee football signee. Nothing much came out of him as far as his playing career at Tennessee, but I really liked him out of Texas. Loved his arm. Well, he decides that it would be wise to give opposing teams in the XFL their place. Not good. And is Georgia completely out of control? Blake Topmeyer with a great column on that over the weekend. We're going to try to get Blake on this week. But I say, yeah, they've got a discipline problem using Blake's words. And I think that uh, he is absolutely right. But first, let's get it rolling. Let's turn to Tennessee's first game without Sakai Ziegler. The Vols lost to Auburn. I've kind of gotten a weird ebb and flow feel for this team. And, Caleb, before the show, you said you didn't expect Tennessee to win either. I didn't either. And I thought that Tennessee would struggle to beat Auburn on the road. That was indeed the case. What did you make of the Vols, their effort, and the first game, what I call a hangover game without Zakai? Yeah, I thought they would struggle. And quite honestly, I've been so critical of Tennessee all year that people are going to be shocked by me saying this. I think this loss is a little was a little much to do about nothing. I think the issues with Tennessee were going to be there whether or not they won this game because this game you're playing Auburn is still a really good team on the road. And look, Tennessee didn't do all the things I've criticized about them weren't really on display in this game. I mean, they were 8 of 17 from three. Vescovi showed up, did what he needed to do, scored 21 points. Tennessee dropped 70. I mean, the thing was, Auburn just scored 79, and it was one of those games where Auburn was – I mean, we know Tennessee's defense is great, so it wasn't – I don't think it was like a, a laziness on the defensive end, really. I think Auburn was just shooting the ball well and playing well offensively. I think the only thing I might say is Auburn only had six turnovers. Now, this is where the Zakai Ziegler injury comes into play. Ron Slade told us last week, to his credit, the first thing he said was the defense would be the hardest thing to replace because Ziegler is just so pesky on the perimeter mm-hmm. that he forces a lot of turnovers. And that seems reminds to me, me of uh, Teron Lou. Oh, that's a great one. Pesky I little mean, defender. Who was it that he defended when the Cavs had that awful team that made it to the finals and he just was in somebody's face the whole time? It was I, I think it was, was in the it, Eastern Conference Finals, maybe? 2007, was it? Um, I don't remember. See, my memory of Tyron Tyron Lue in the finals, sorry, is still getting stepped over by Allen Iverson. But <laughs> okay. when, but I think that's a pretty good comparison. And when you lose that, yeah. you lose, he, he was a very important player in that run. And, and, and now without Ziegler, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, I just think. That might be the one concern to pull from this, but I, I don't think you can use one game as a 
measurable for this. I, I think more it's just Tennessee's had longstanding issues all year. Look, if Tennessee was still the number two team in the country or the number one team in the country, this would have been a game I had them pegged to lose. I mean, this is a type of game that teams this year lose in college basketball. Auburn's a decent team. You're playing them on the road. The tempo they run. So I, I personally don't think this loss is that big of a deal. I just think the way the season ended as a whole is a big deal, if that makes sense. Yes, I completely agree with that. I, I, I've i gotten pretty good. I think Caleb, you would agree with this. I'm not just tooting my own horn of feeling the ebbs and flows of this team. I thought they would beat number one Alabama, and then there are a couple of losses I've, I felt like. And, and usually I can get a feel for a team about mid-February to March, and I did not think they would win on Saturday. How big of a loss is it? Well, I mean, that's that's the question we'll ask in four downs, and four downs today is brought to you by our friends at Vassy Lawn and Garden. Man Alive, it's worth the drive. Vassy Lawn and Garden has the industrial mowers, the commercial mowers, where you'll want to make the drive from Nashville, Knoxville, Chattanooga, doesn't matter. Get to Cleveland, Tennessee. Man Alive, it is worth the drive. Vassy Lawn and Garden also, if you're nearby, they've got the residential mowers as well. So let's get to it. Four downs, basketball style, brought to you by Vassy Lawn and Garden. Man Alive, it's worth the drive. Owens. We'll just start that over. Four downs. Four questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. Four. Four downs. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Well, we've addressed this to some extent, but how big of a loss was that to Auburn? How concerned should Tennessee fans be? I say not very. I think the way the season ended, as you mentioned, which is uh, what, four four wins in the last ten heading yeah. into the SEC tournament, um, I think that's disappointing. But I don't think the loss on the road for senior day, and you know that Bruce Pearl is going to get them up emotionally, I, I don't think that loss in and of itself is a major dent in what they can do moving forward. I agree. I don't think this loss by itself is a, is a big deal. I think the only reason this loss is somewhat a big deal to people is because of how they ended the season overall. It's like I, when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, I one time got suspended from school for my cell phone going off. Remember those days when they still didn't let your cell phone, you, you have your cell phone in school? No, we didn't have a cell phone then, but go ahead. Okay, yes. Well, I we did, but they didn't let you have them on you. My cell phone went off by accident. I got suspended from school for a day. It was really stupid. I was doing really poorly in school during that time. My mom was like, you know, if your grades were up, this suspension wouldn't be that big of a deal. But they're not up. So it's a big deal. And that's exactly how this Auburn loss is. <laughs> I like it. Can uh, Santi Viscovi replace the Kai Ziegler? And I'm not necessarily saying at the one spot, bringing the ball up. I'm not saying an X's and O's standpoint, but. He did score 21 points, 8 of 13 from the field, 5 of 9 from three-point land. He has a little bit of fire to him. Can he replace Ziegler significantly enough for the balls to move forward, not miss a beat with Zakai on the bench for the rest of the year? Not by himself. He can replace Ziegler offensively. But we the one thing that we talked about was Ziegler's lack of defensive presence was missing on Saturday or his defensive presence was missing on Saturday. And that that's going to fall more on Josiah and Jemai Meshach than it is Santi Fuscovi. 
Okay, that answers third down. Who else needs to step up? So do you think it is – if you had to pick one guy, is it Josiah? Yes, it's Josiah. He's finally getting healthy. By the way, he had 10 points on Saturday. I know he was 4 of 12 from the field, so it wasn't like he was that good, but he was 2 of 6 from 3. So, yeah, I think Josiah is going to be the guy to step up. There you go. All right, does this affect your tournament opinion? I think I know your answer on this. You, you and I both – not to be negative Nellies as somebody posted over the weekend. I haven't heard that term used in about 50 years, but um, not to be negative Nellies here, but I, I just, I hope hey, hey, listen, it's great for us. If Tennessee makes the final four, it's great content. Uh, however, I don't see a any better than a sweet 16 team. And I'm not sure I see that at this point. Again, the tournament's magical. It can do all kinds of things. They could, play in the national championship game. They're going to win it all. That's the way basketball is. But right now, nothing that happened on Saturday adversely or positively affected my opinion of what Tennessee basketball will do in the tournament. You? No, not at all. I'm right there with you. Um, I don't think it's a big deal. Um, I mean, I don't think it's it, it changes anything we thought about Tennessee entering the tournament. Um, okay. SEC tournament, this different story because now they're playing on Thursday, but that's a different story. <laughs> Yep. All right, we'll switch gears. Um, yeah, they will play on Thursday. Um, so uh, how significant is that, your uh, play on Thursday? Not as significant to me because I think you and I both agree that they shouldn't even be trying to win the SEC tournament. Like, I think they should – I'm with you. You know, I, I maybe don't purposely throw it like you suggest, but I say maybe don't play your starters or play them like – 15 minutes <laughs> throw it throw it throw the sec tournament i want the headline on this individual video to be why tennessee should throw the sec tournament um this one right here okay <laughs> yes just chuck it get a week's rest and go into the go into the ncaa tournament ready to roll you got to agree with that. I mean, uh, just chuck it. Who cares? If you're Rick Barnes, you don't have to tell anybody. It's just some subtle substitution patterns, and maybe you run something goofy, or I don't know. There's got to be a way that I, – I just think Tennessee – listen, I think the – and I've said this for years. It's not because of this team. The SEC basketball tournament is a money grab, okay? And the SEC tournament is about – making a little bit more cash off of basketball at the, at the end of the day, I've seen teams that play in the championship game, go tired to the NCAA tournament. I'm fine with throwing the SEC tournament. I don't know. Are there even rafters in individual coliseums and arenas around the SEC for winning the SEC tournament? Is that a thing? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a thing. Ah. Because there's also rafters for making the NIT. <laughs> Yeah, I guess there is. Or banners and rafters. There are rafters to hold the building up. And, by the way, they're going to struggle to do that when Guns N' Roses plays in Thompson Bowling in mid-August. And you know who's going to be in the pit. I've already priced the tickets. So, yeah, I'm going to be uh, pushing people around. These young kids like you, Caleb, that think they can hang with a real rock band. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Okay. Listen to your Taylor Swift. Baby. I like Guns N' Roses. I like Taylor Swift. But, you know, 
I, I'm, I'm from the city that started crunk music, okay? And I was growing up when it was happening. So, I mean, we can handle, we can handle it pretty rough. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, what, on the message board right now, tell me if, if you had to go to a Taylor Swift concert or a Guns N' Roses concert, which would it be? And I think we'll get more Guns N' Roses out of this group. What else? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, I like Guns uh, N' Roses. You're, you're putting me in a position to attack them. I'm not here to attack them. I, I'm not a big fan of the glam metal bands. I thought the hair bands were a little extra, if I'm being honest. But I did like Guns N' Roses. They were not a hair band. They were not a glam band. They were. They were. Anyway, I don't want to get too deep into it. But <laughs> th th their music was real. John says I, Guns N' Roses by far. Thank you. They were not a glam band. That kind of ended with, uh, I would say, Motley Crue. Night Train is my jam. You can't beat Night Train. John's been to GNR five times. <laughs> Loving me some John. All right, John, let's go Let's go push some people around. Let's push these kids around in the pit. You won't be pushing kids around. You'll be pushing people y'all's age around. <laughs> no. No. We got some love, some jokes. <laughs> oh, man. They play a little Rocket Queen, man. I'm like, throwing punches and yeah john says let's do it we're doing this and uh i you know to, for a guy who hadn't been to a concert in a long time i'm also going to bonnaroo to see foo fighters so now admittedly i asked a young lady uh if i bought her ticket if she would go stake out my area so i could go in late because i don't want to go there all day <laughs> that's too much for me but i just want to show up in the concert starts all right so i want to talk jalen hyatt his 40 time and why i think it was disappointing although if you look at the nfl network and you look at tennessee's coverage they had him running next to julio jones in this uh kind of where he's a shadow ghost and uh jalen hyatt outruns him at the end well jalen hyatt outran him at the end because Jalen Hyatt takes a little bit longer to get up to full speed. So his last 10 yards of the 40 are more significant. In the end, it was a 4-4 flat. Didn't get in the 4-3 range, which I thought he would. Hamstring made him pull out. He'll be at Tennessee's pro day on March the 31st, so he can take care of that if the hamstring was the issue. But here's the other thing. Julio Jones is like 220 pounds. Jalen Hyatt's 185 pounds. And to me, I thought a 4-4 flat was disappointing. And don't think that NFL defenders don't see that you could bump him along the way exactly right on the message board. And don't think for a second that defenders aren't going to see that you could bump him and slow down his top speed. Caleb, if I'm Jalen Hyde, I'm not real happy with what happened in Indianapolis. No, I, I'm with you. I'm not either. And it's funny. We had Fred White on Friday, and he um, he called you insane when you said you thought Jalen Hyatt was a bit of an overrated prospect, and his selling point for, for Hyatt was his speed. Well, if you're a wide receiver and your speed is your only selling point, then you need to be fast. You need to be faster than average. You can't just be fast. You need to be extremely fast because Jalen Hyatt's route running is not – honestly, there was nothing to prove – nothing about his route running was a proven commodity when he played at Tennessee. The routes were very simple. You're right, he's not a tall receiver. He's not a physical receiver. We've talked a thousand times over how Cedric Tillman is actually a better NFL prospect than Hyatt. Now not hitting the 40 time the way you need, he's one of the he is one of the guys whose 40 time actually legitimately matters. And he he didn't I, I thought he needed in the low four threes, not just four threes. I needed I thought like I thought he needed to be push, pushing into the four two range if possible, if he was gonna 
be a decent NFL prospect. And 4-4 is – that's for Jalen Hyatt specifically not going to cut it because I don't have any proof. I don't see anything of him being an elite route runner. Dave, do you? No, and he may end up being a great route runner. I mean, things – I've known of a lot of players that were average at certain things at, in college, and they go to the NFL. A guy says, I'm going to rebuild you, and they have done that. Um, I know a lot of examples of that, but Jalen Hot may be that guy. He may be a great route runner, but we don't know it now. I tell you what, when I look back over the combine, kudos to Darnell Wright, a guy that you know does all the right things, moves to right tackle. He solidified himself as a first-round NFL draft pick. There's no question in my mind he's going in the first round. The other guy that I really like, although he didn't throw a single ball, is Hendon Hooker. Gets up there. The guy hasn't said the word me or I since he's been at UT, especially last season. It was so frustrating when he wouldn't want to talk about his own play. Please hit that like button, the thumbs up button. We greatly appreciate that. If you haven't subscribed yet, you need to do that now. But Caleb Hendon Hooker gets up there and he says, hey, I can't help it if all my receivers are open and my first read's not open. Now, I know he's saying the right thing, Caleb, and I think this is a one-read, one-side-of-the-field system, but he's saying the right thing. He's saying that they move so fast that that's a lot to have to deal with from a quarterback's perspective. So there shouldn't be any issue with him handling the speed of the game or the complexity of the game. I loved it. I loved what he said over the weekend. Again, it was coached. But he, he brought up a lot of good points. And um, I think Hendon Hooker has helped himself just by being around and being in front of cameras and answering some of these tough questions. Because imagine if you had a ton of success at any level. And Caleb, they said, it's all because of who you work for. It has nothing to do with you. It's all because of who you work for. That's why you had success. I'd have a chip on my shoulder. Yeah, I agree. I would too. And I, I, I'm with you. I think the intangibles that we've talked about hookers intangibles for the longest time, he's got great intangibles. And I think there's enough evidence in the NFL now where it's not like the nineties or the eighties where in the NFL now, even if you're a system quarterback, if you have certain abilities, then NFL teams will be able to tailor their offense to what you can do. I think, and, and also they can kind of rework you. Look, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to invoke the name. I'm not saying him and hooker will be this good. For people who don't remember, Aaron Rodgers was a system quarterback coming out of college. Jeff yeah. Tedford was a system coach in Cal. And Green Bay, that's why he had to sit for three years. Green Bay had to rework his footwork and everything like that. Well, then he became a Hall of Fame quarterback. And that's so, why he wasn't drafted until, what, the 27th pick, too. Yeah, it was really low. Yeah, and that's why when people are like, oh, the 49ers had just drafted Aaron Rodgers. Well, if the only reason he worked in Green Bay is because they spent three years having to retool his fundamentals. And they may not have done that in San Francisco. And so, yeah, it's – and now and now more teams, more NFL franchises are like Green Bay than they are San Francisco now from back then, where more NFL franchises, they work with quarterbacks to try to retool what they can do. Patrick Mahomes was a system player, ran the air raid, never had a winning record, I don't think, at Texas Tech. Andy Reid drafts him, sets him for a year, develops him, and then he's already – I mean, we're looking – we may be watching the greatest quarterback ever in real time right now in Patrick Mahomes. So no, – and, and Hendon has all the intangibles that you would think that he's going to be able to adapt to that. He was able to adapt to a new system with Josh Heupel. That was vastly different than what it, what he ran at Vautech. Um, 
I think he's helped himself tremendously. And and it's by being a little bit selfish and a little bit defensive. And I think that's cool. I'm I'm down with that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And he, I mean, it, it's coaches are selfish and defensive all the time when they defend what they've done. I mean, and so why can't quarterbacks? Josh Heibel, the, 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 when he was hired, was asked, why did UCF regress every year under you? And, like, he, he really defended what happened, you know, about all the, about the in, injuries and key issues and things like that. And he really defended the fact that his legacy of following Scott Frost and still having to maintain the success he had. If coaches can do it, why can't players? Yep. Elias says, Hendon has to be talked about relentlessly by some folks that are interested in taking a risk on someone with room to grow, right? Yes, I think he does. Uh, and I think he will be talked about those guys. And he's a guy that everybody's going to look at partially because of the ACL, which those are non-factors nowadays. I mean, ACLs back in the day were a huge monstrous factor, but they're really not unless you get uh, a bad surgery, which happens about one in a 10,000 times. And that's not going to happen. And I, with, with Hendon in particular, yes, you have to look at the room to grow. But could he step in and play? Let's say he's 100% recovered from the ACL. Could he step in and play tomorrow in the NFL with an offseason? Yeah. I mean, I think he I think he could. Would he benefit from sitting a year like you mentioned? Absolutely. But listen, Hendon Hooker's a smart guy. With an offseason to prepare, he's, he's going to be ready to play. I don't know that it behooves him to play immediately, but could he? Yeah, I wouldn't really mount. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. I could easily see him playing. I don't think he'd be good his first year if he played with just one all season, but I think he could do it. And, you know, we just saw, we've seen some bad quarterbacks play this past year. So, I mean, I, I mean, I know you're not a fan of him, but it's like, if, 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 it, if the Cowboys can retool their offense mid season in 2016 to fit Dak Prescott after Tony Romo was supposed to be their starter, NFL, we, we know we na- we have enough evidence that NFL offenses can adjust quickly and quarterbacks can adjust quickly. That was proof right there. I agree completely. And the other guy that helped himself, I want to get to, brought to you by AndyMasonRealEstate.com. AndyMasonRealEstate.com in Knoxville. Man, over 40 years of experience. AndyMasonRealEstate.com has the best prices, the best service. There's nothing like AndyMasonRealEstate.com for your real estate needs. Make sure you reach out to Andy if you're buying or selling a house. The other guy that helped himself as you smash on that like button and be sure that you have subscribed. The other guy that helped himself, Byron Young. I don't think there's any question about that. We talked a little bit about that last week. Um, I have a different view of him all of a sudden and was talking to somebody uh, over the weekend that knows both players and he's a tough guy to kind of quantify. And this guy wanted to be sure and said, I'm not comparing him to this guy. But a little bit, maybe a little bit of a poor, poor man's Leonard Little. That was pretty. And he said, I, I don't want you to use that. But I did. Uh, but <laughs> maybe I'm not going to write it. I've got another comparison. I'm going to have former Vols up later today that these guys compared to. But even to be discussed in that context is is pretty strong. I think it's because he's able to dip his shoulder. He gets low. He doesn't lose speed when he's running almost parallel. I, I, I like Byron Young. I did not realize he was as explosive as he showed up at the combine. Yeah, it, it, and Fred Wright brought up a really good point that, like, 
he was still actually relatively raw when he was producing at such a high level for Tennessee for two years, which, in my opinion, I, was, I always thought the opposite with Byron Young. I thought Byron Young lacked certain athleticism, which kept him from getting a high-profile scholarship anywhere, but just was, you know, really solid fundamentally and things like that. But I'm hearing the opposite, which is, which is incredible because that means there's huge room for him to grow. And so you're seeing real potential with Byron Young. I mean, I could see – look, Byron Young, I think, was recruited as an outside linebacker before he was a defensive end. And I know Leonard Little played – though Leonard Little played middle linebacker, didn't he? Um, well, unfortunately, he should he should not have. He, he he played middle linebacker. He was lost, only made plays because he was an incredible athlete, and then they moved him to defensive end where he should have played the whole time. Uh, they should yeah. have had Al Wilson as an underclassman at Mike, and they didn't because they didn't think he was quite ready. So shoulda, coulda, woulda. But Peyton probably has a national title if they do that. But anyway, <laughs> it's a whole different I mean, discussion. He may have one if they start Jamal Lewis by, you know, early in the season, too. So, <laughs> right. They make those. Yeah, that's very fair. All right. So, if you're sitting at pick number 35 and you need a receiver and you need a, a defensive end pass rusher slash linebacker. Are you taking Byron Young or Jalen Hyatt? And you need both? You need both. Equal oh. needs. Byron Young? That's not even a question to me. Yeah, me I'm too. taking Byron Young. That is an easy one. Me too. Me too. And I don't think we would have necessarily said that before the NFL Combine. Uh, hit that like button. Go ahead and do it right now. We greatly appreciate it. And if you haven't subscribed, do that. Brought to you by Zool Beer, XULBeer.com, ZulBeer.com. Back in uh, two minutes, and a former Vol is apparently throwing games in the XFL, which is bizarre, which would throw up the gambling line. But if you're gambling on the, NX, the XFL, you got problems. And I'm going to tell you most likely who Tennessee's three permanent opponents will be. Nick Saban has spilled the beans off the hook. Sports with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Booker. Our family has been creating jewelry since 1986, each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler, and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Inflation has risen to the highest level in over 40 years, according to the April 2022 U.S. Inflation Calculator. Will your investments provide you the income you need in retirement? Are you losing purchasing power of your savings due to inflation? Simply stated, if the cost of goods and services are 8% higher and you're only earning 4% in your investments, that money buys you less of what you need. Right now is the time to act. Call Guardian Investment Advisors today. Hey folks, Gary Viles here. I want to personally invite you to North Knoxville's newest sports bar and restaurant. It's Big Orange Phillies, located in Black Oak Center. And yes, folks, it's happening in halls. Big Orange Phillies offers family-friendly environment with homemade meals and the best deli-style subs around. Billiards, darts, jukebox, shuffleboard, and cornhole, and a full bar. We also offer valet parking on weekends and during special events. We even have a covered back patio. It's happening at Big Orange Phillies. We want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. 
Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's your Chattanooga, we're at it again. For the fifth year in a row, you voted us best of the best criminal and DUI law firm. And finalist for best law firm and best personal injury firm. Thank you for the love, Chattanooga. We won't let you down. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasty Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasty, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassies, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassie Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at CCTIs. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, who's this guy? Hello, wizard. The Dave Hooker Show. Who? A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. So I believe Nick Saban spilled the beans. Click the like button. Be sure and share. And comment on who you think Tennessee's permanent opponents should be. Because I'm going to tell you who I strongly believe they will be. So is it Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated? That's his name, correct, Caleb? Yes. I think he does a very good job. And Ross spoke with Nick Saban. And Nick Saban, I guess it was Friday afternoon, came out and detested the fact that it appeared as if Alabama had their permanent opponents set, and those would be Auburn, Tennessee, LSU. Now, I look at it from a historical perspective, and I don't see how it could be anybody else. It's got to be Alabama, Auburn, right? I mean, that they're in state. They have to be permanent opponents. I mean, duh. And it's got to be Alabama, Tennessee, because Tennessee – and Alabama are one of the great fixtures in all of college football. I've said that from the get. Now, he doesn't like it because Tennessee's better now. And then it's got to be LSU, because if you want to go back even before my time, that was just slightly before my time, that was considered the, the great rivalry of the time and what is now the SEC West, essentially. In the western side of the conference, it was Alabama LSU. For those that don't know and just follow Tennessee, Nick Saban going to Alabama after coaching at LSU and having success was the ultimate kick in the you-know-where to LSU fans. 
So let me give that some historical perspective. There's a lot of hate there. There's a lot of uh, vitriol there. So to me, Alabama, of all of the teams out there, is the most simple. And Nick Saban can complain all he wants to, but he's also called himself a purist at times. Caleb, and if you're a purist, then Alabama's three permanent opponents have to be Auburn, Tennessee, LSU. And I don't understand how he could argue against that. He might not like it because Tennessee is good again, but I bet you if five years ago that these were the three permanent opponents, he's probably like, oh, okay, yeah, no big deal. Or let's say four years ago, Ed Orgeron's on his way out, Tennessee's still finding themselves. He doesn't have as much of a problem with it. Now he's got a problem with it because Tennessee and LSU have great coaches in place. So I disagree. I, I agree with you on one thing. I think, and this is a big, I, I actually think I might write, I'll write this later, but every Tennessee fan should be happy that Nick Saban is complaining about this because that means that he knows Tennessee is about to be good we be, or, or is going to stay good. I still distinctly remember Nick Saban vociferously defending Derek Dooley as a head coach. And yeah. we all know why he was doing that. <laughs> and um, he, as we've talked about before, coaches will only defend other coaches who are doing a terrible job at their school because they like that those coaches are there. And I don't think LSU is as necessary. And I, I'm, I'm a historian. I understand your point about the rivalry. I got to be honest, Dave, I think that hate's a little one-sided. I think that's like Tennessee Ole Miss back in the day. That hate, remember Ole Miss hated Tennessee and t they played every year. And so Peyton Manning going to Tennessee was a gut punch. But let's be honest, Tennessee never really cared that much about Ole Miss. Even with the whole Archie Who, Steve Tyner moment where Ole Miss won 38 to nothing in 1969, Ole Miss cared about Tennessee a lot more than Tennessee cared about Ole Miss. I actually think Alabama and LSU is a rivalry you could mix. I think we're just seeing that now because we're seeing Alabama under Nick Saban versus LSU who's going to be a powerhouse program under Brian Kelly. We want to see them play every year. But, you know, Alabama's played Mississippi State more than they played Ole Miss historically. Or, I'm sorry, more than they played LSU historically. Okay. So I, I, I think you – I actually am with Nick on the fact that you could mix that rivalry. Again, I would – because my format, my proposed format that I'm doing would mix that rivalry anyway. Because I told you, I want to just keep the two divisions, move Alabama and Auburn into the east, and you don't have any permanent cross-divisional opponents from the east and the west. And because I, I, I don't think Alabama-LSU – I mean, if you got to cut a rivalry – look, Tennessee and Florida was a rivalry that stopped the college football world in the 90s. I still don't know a rivalry that stopped the college football world the way Tennessee-Florida did in the 90s or came close to that level of magnitude. That rivalry is going to go with this new system, and I don't think any of us have a problem with it because we know Tennessee can't play Florida every year. If you just have well, three I, okay, well, let's turn to that. I, I do have a problem with it. I've got a big problem with it. I, I've got a big problem with South Carolina being the permanent opponent. I, I've got a big problem with us trying to manufacture and push down a South Carolina rivalry down Tennessee's fans' throats. And listen, I don't care what happened in November of 2022. That is one game, and. There is no rivalry there. There is no excitement there. That is not a rivalry. South Carolina, much like you were talking about, Ole Miss looked at uh, maybe, as you say, Ole Miss maybe looked at Tennessee as a rival at one point. Yeah. Okay, well, Kentucky and South Carolina are the same thing. All right, they look at Tennessee as a rival. Tennessee is not a rival. They don't. Tennessee does not look at Kentucky in football and think, oh, rivalry game. They don't. 
you don't think the same thing for South Carolina. You absolutely do not. So for for to put South Carolina in there, and I know you're going to have to crack some eggs, no pun intended, to make this omelet of the expanded SEC, but I it needs to be it needs to be Florida. It needs to be Florida, Georgia, and Alabama, and I don't care if that's tougher or not right now. Well, then we need to do at the the SEC needs to do what we have suggested, which is keep the which is just do the divisions. Then you have seven permanent opponents and two on the other side, and it it works to pick the top two teams. If Alabama and Auburn move to the east and Missouri moves to the west, there's only one game you would lose at that point. There's only one annual game you would lose where that has been played at least a hundred times. That's Alabama, Mississippi State. I don't think Mississippi State's going to complain about not having to play Alabama every year anymore. I think they are more than happy to get rid of that game. And yeah, you will, you'll lose Alabama LSU. I don't think Alabama I don't think Alabama LSU was in the top ten of like rivalry games at SEC history that people want to see. I don't. I think Ole Miss Mississippi State's better. I think LSU Ole Miss honestly is is more historic. Texas Oklahoma Arkansas Missouri. Um. I, I mean, th- th- there are there are a lot of directions you could go, and if if you if you want to take it at face value, and right now what's going on, then you say Tennessee, <clears throat> their permanent opponents, according to this report by Ross Dellinger. And I want to be clear, it wasn't a report, but I have every reason to believe this is going to be the direction that it goes because Nick Saban wouldn't comment on something he didn't feel firmly about, and I believe this was leaked to Ross. This is just my hunch. I haven't spoken to him. I don't know. I don't know him. But Tennessee said uh, their permanent opponents would be Vanderbilt, Alabama, South Carolina. Now, you have to keep Vanderbilt because they're in-state. You have to keep Alabama because it is such a great rivalry. So, really, the only question is that third spot. And I think that should be Georgia or Florida above South Carolina because of the history. Now, that being said, Tennessee fans that are rooting for an easier schedule – this is it. Okay, so South Carolina, I mean, the, South Carolina, you would rather play South Carolina than Florida or Georgia. Don't get me wrong. You would rather have your recruiting oats sow and continue to grow in the state of South Carolina and the Carolinas in general. So you want to be there every other year as opposed to Florida where there are 500 teams battling for the same prospects. And you have to overcome – uh, all of the distance in between the two schools. South Carolina ain't that far. And I'll go ahead and tell you right now, from a recruiting perspective, Tennessee would rather play South Carolina. But at the end of the day, what's what right is right is for that to be Georgia or Florida. Let's be honest, Dave. It's the other way around that we need to look at this. They're having trouble. The SEC commissioners are having trouble finding permanent opponents for South Carolina because they're realizing outside of Georgia, no school really makes sense for South Carolina on an annual basis. But Kentucky, maybe? I don't know. South Carolina-Kentucky rivalry? Like, there's no real rivalry for South Carolina in the SEC. And, I mean, to me, they were always more of an ACC school anyway. They struck me more as they belonged in the ACC than the SEC. Yes. No, I completely agree. And Arkansas always felt more like a Southwest conference school. Um, so, but I don't know if they can go back and change that now, but at least Arkansas, there's some familiarity with the new teams that are coming in and Texas and Oklahoma with South Carolina. You're still like, still like kind of the oddball team that's just kind of stuck in there. I don't, 
I don't know how you can you can fix that. Their three permanent opponents would be Florida, Tennessee, and Kentucky. Well, I guess. I mean, they played them more, but I when don't... the SEC goes to thirty-two or forty teams and they have a bunch of eighteen divisions, which they're going to do, as you talked about, then we'll see it makes sense because the SEC is going to add like the North Carolina schools, Clemson, Virginia schools, and then you'll put South Carolina in the division with them. Yeah, I. I mean. Okay, who do you? Let's just put it this way: you, you, somebody in your family is dumb, and they don't understand that you don't schedule a wedding during football season, but they schedule the wedding, and you've got to sell a pair of tickets. Okay, the first ones you're going to sell for SEC tickets are going to be Vanderbilt. Okay, that's the first ones you're going to sell. The next is South Carolina. I mean, it is. I mean, who wants to go to that game? <laughs> by comparison, I mean, by comparison to Georgia, Florida, those are gone. It's disturbing. There it's just, is. You're right. South Carolina historically is a game where a Tennessee player gets to set some records and go down to NCAA lore. Whether that be Gene McKeever scoring five touchdowns in 1929, or T. Martin com- com- completing 23 straight passes in 1998. A lot of passes. <laughs> out in the, a lot of passes out in the flat. Yeah, a lot of screen passes there, Caleb. I get it, but the thing that's so funny that really speaks to how bad South Carolina was that year because there was a lot of passes out in the flat. NC Martin still had four touchdown passes, and Tennessee still scored forty nine (laughs) points. We're not that far removed from Brad Scott going one and ten at South Carolina, so Tennessee should not have a rival that is has ever gone one and ten. So we. You know, you're known as the resident Joe Milton hater on this show. I think you're a way bigger Shane Beamer hater. I, I well, I, I, it's not a hate thing. It's I don't think, I, and I, I like Joe Milton. Okay, but I just think that he's going to get overcome by Nico at some point. Um, now, as far as Shane Beamer, I think he's going to be coaching at Sewanee one day. Who would you rather hire as a head coach, Shane Beamer or Les Miles? <laughs> oh. I would take at this day and age, I would take youth. I would take for the recruiting <laughs> perspective. I would take, I would take youth. Travis says those games will make us soft. Thank you, Travis. Thank you. Because here's the thing that Fred White said you want to play the toughest games. Now, I could have countered with Fred, you don't want to play the toughest games because if you play the toughest games, then you could lose and be out of a four team playoff or a two team championship game. Guess what? That's not happening anymore. You've got a 12-team playoff now. You can lose one or two of those games and still make a 12-team playoff. You could almost load management in football with a 12-team playoff. I mean, (laughs) no, okay. I'm I'm actually with you. um, But the thing is, like, okay, you know, Clemson is still going to have the easiest road to this 12-team playoff that they're going to be in every year in the ACC and that ridiculous schedule. So then there'll be so much. It's not about whether or not how many you can lose. It's how fresh are you with the with the playoff? I mean, look, let's call it what it is. Clemson's won two national titles because they were just fresher than everybody else in the playoff because they didn't actually have to play anybody to get there. <laughs> and, I mean, that's that's always in my argument, like when Boise State beat, would beat like a Power 5 team every now and then. I'm like, yeah, they can do that one game with the month to prepare when they're at full strength. Can they do that week in and week out? No, they can't. And so I, that's my thing. It's 
I get your point, but nah, I'm sorry. You want to play the easy schedule. Take the easy road. Look at Clemson. They got two national titles. No. Without guys. No. Clemson's got two titles. How many does Tennessee have the last? Ten- Clemson has more national titles the last two years than Tennessee has the last 25. Clemson has more national titles since 1952 than Tennessee. They got three. Tennessee's got one. Portions of the program bar- brought to you by the official craft beer of Off the Hook Sports. It's Zulbeer, XULBeer.com. They've got parking downtown. It is phenomenal beer. Worldwide award-winning craft beer, Zulbeer, XULBeer.com. Elias says, I could see a 9-3 and three SEC team squeezing in at some point. I promise you, Elias, that is going to happen. That's absolutely going to happen. And the college football Everything I the reason I know you're like this, Dave. I'm not. The reason I liked the Bulls back in the day. Everything will be wrong with college football when a three loss team wins a national title. I don't like it. I like I don't I didn't like it when a two loss LSU team won the national title. That that just didn't look right to me when they did. And when a three loss team wins, it's gonna look uglier. Okay, let's look at the yeah, okay. So right now, based on I'm gonna go based off the AP because they know what they're talking about. The coach's poll is just throwing darts. Um, but the AP, you have two, 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 two. you have Utah at ten and four, so they would make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Florida State ten and three, so they would make it. And that's three regular season losses, by the way. That's not the bowl loss. USC eleven and three, um, and I feel like I missed it. Tulane at twelve and two. I don't know what you do with them, but they won. But yeah, I mean there are yeah there are teams that are going to make it in with three losses. So play there are. the schedule you can. I Travis says I'd rather beat the great teams every single time than to prepare a month and still one. Thank you. Smoky Mountain Red says 12-team playoff will show the weak schedules even more with weaker teams getting in. Yes. And it, it will also and when they get hammered in the quarterfinals, then Caleb you'll be like, "Man, I wish we had played a tougher schedule." It's not, though. The opposite's going to happen because what's going to happen is that there will be teams that are so fresh for the 12-team playoff. Some teams are going to have to go through a grueling SEC. One, let me say this, too, by the way. If you're an SEC team, because the 12-team playoff is probably going to take – I think you, you agree with right, Dave? There's going to be four SEC teams here and you're out in this 12-team playoff. There's going to be four just from the SEC alone, I think. Um, you don't want to play for the SEC team if you're going to this playoff you'd rather be and not play for the title if we're if we're not gonna have divisions anymore i say ditch the, the conference title ditch it completely chuck it that's a money well, that's unfortunately that's going to turn into a, unfortunately i'm afraid that's going to turn into a money grab too but i i, I get that I, uh clemson was pretty fresh this year travis says how did that work out for them not too good they didn't uh, care rebecca well, they didn't. I mean, that's true. But Rebecca says, think about TCU week schedule, get to the Natty, got destroyed. But they did advance to the national championship game. So I see where you're coming from, Rebecca. But to get there, I thought said a lot about TCU. Uh, John said, you mean like the South Carolina game? This year we were so much better than that, and they spanked us. Uh, TCU was fresh as Georgia. SEC teams in the playoffs are only limited by the number of at-large spots. Amen. There are no automatic qualifiers. There are going to be four SEC teams in the college yes. football playoff on a fairly regular basis. Yeah, they take the top six conference champions and then the six at large, six at large bids. The SEC is going to have an automatic bid with the conference champion, and they're going to have three of the six at large bids every year. 
I agree. All right. So this is a little disappointing. It's not often we get to talk about Pete Rose on the program as we focus on football, but this is Pete Rose-ish. This is disturbing, and it came from a former Vol who I was very high on. First, I want to remind you, go to crafttreats.com, crafttreats.com. Use the promo code off the hook. That's the promo code off the hook. Get 20% off CBD infused pet treats for your dog or cat. Helps with the arthritis, helps with anxiety, and helps with digestive issues as well. They've got non-CBD there as well. The pet treats are holistic and great for your pet. Again, use the promo code off the hook. That is off the hook. And you will absolutely be ecstatic with uh, your pet and your pet will be ecstatic tail flipping all around cat acting like it actually likes you a little bit but it doesn't it just wants the treats are you a cat guy at all caleb no i'm not i i was a cat guy i wasn't a cat guy because i determined that i was allergic to them and now the doctor told me allergies could come and go so now i'm a cat guy because i guess i like snobby people Quentin Dormandy, what the H? What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Yeah, I'm not sure we're talking about a great resurrection for Quentin Dormandy's career happening in the XFL. But to get caught handing over plays to opposing teams... If you haven't heard about this, dial your ears in a little closer here for just a moment. Because, Caleb, he was handing over plays to the other team. Now, you can say, oh, it's just the XFL. No, 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 no. There is something to be said about a person that would undermine his teammates and his brothers. I don't care if you knew him for six weeks in the XFL or you knew him for six years in the NFL. It doesn't matter. This is highly disturbing and it does make me wonder if there's any chance he did that at Tennessee. Cause if you'll do it at one place, you'll do it at another. So let's be fair up front. He denies it. And he has technically been reinstated by the SF, XFL since this happened. But yes, it there's it. I, I don't think I, I think he did it because I don't think the Guardians would just cut him out of the blue. And I think you're the same way. You're right there with me on that. Um, and let's go back and remember what happened in 2017. Josh Dobbs is gone. Quentin Dormandy is named the starter. Dormandy wins the first game against Georgia Tech. The luckiest win. They had no right winning that game, quite honestly. I'll never forget that. But Dormandy actually played well in that game. Played like complete garbage two weeks later against Florida. Played even worse against UMass. Like, they barely beat UMass 17-13. to Butch Jones in last up. UMass. Yes. I toured UMass with my son. I did not see a football field. <laughs> and they, may have, they may have one. But I didn't see it. I mean, the next two – it was after UMass the following Tuesday where Butch Jones gave us all the lecture on this is what we expect from our media guys and then proceeded to lie at us about Shaq Tuttle falling on a helmet. <laughs> and, yes, um, and proceeded to berate reporters to the point that two of them got out of the business altogether. Wow, I did not know that, that they got out. See, 
I wish I were in that press conference. I might have I might have said something that got me fired to back to the states, but <laughs> um, it uh. So then they lose to Georgia forty-one to nothing. All uh, bye week happens. Butch Jones wakes the switch from Quentin Dormady to Jared Garantano. I think it was a desperation move to try to set Garantano up to fail because it was starting Garantano at South Carolina. Keep in mind, this was South Carolina's best team under Will Muschamp, and Will Muschamp, whatever you think about him, was a great defensive coach at the time, had a pretty good defensive mind. And Tennessee's offense got inexplicably worse after the bye, like way worse. And you have to wonder if this happened. Okay. Okay. So – yeah, you. It's fair to wonder, especially UMass. I mean, for goodness gracious, you should hammer UMass by thirty-five points if you're an SEC team, <clears throat> and other than maybe Vanderbilt. Okay, so you you bench Dormandy to go to Garantano, right? Right. Is there a chance they found something out? I was more under the guise that maybe Dorm. Is it possible Dormandy was bitter about being benched, and that's and then he was given the playbook to other teams at that point. Well, maybe we can just go ahead and throw out random speculation, which is fun. But when you do this, I mean, that follows you around forever. Somebody said that he could try to get a job at Target and this would follow follow him around. Yeah, Will, you Google him and it's going to follow you around forever. Yeah, giving company for me for this. Garanton have stayed for nine years. Uh, the, the, The problem with this is I think if you would do it at one place, you would do it at the other. And here's the other thing. Now, I'm not saying he did it at Tennessee, okay? But the UMass game I always thought was weird. And I will say this. Butch Jones is the type of coach that instead of saying, wow, this is out there, you're off the team, you don't have to say he was feeding UMass the playbook or anybody else, but you get him off the team, right? But if you were to cut a significant player in the middle of the team, there would be questions. Butch Jones is the type of coach that would say, instead of being in on the quarterback meetings, we need you to go stand in that dark closet over there. That's what he would do, and he would cover it up. That's why this thing has legs at Tennessee. Butch Jones would never cut him from that team and throw him off, which any other coach that I have ever been around, from Lane Kiffin to Philip Fulmer to Derek Dooley to anybody, they would cut them immediately. Don't be around this team. That is disgusting. Butch Jones would cover it up to make himself look slightly better. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me that he would do that. I'm kind of with you. He probably would. Let's do the reverse. If we think Quentin Dormandy did do this, Dave, would you really care if you were selling out Butch Jones' playbook to other teams? If you were playing for Butch Jones, do you really feel motivated to win for him? That's the other thing. He was an abusive sociopath. Okay, so yeah, no, absolutely, and I've t- I think I've told this story with you before, but I had a, a a player's dad call me and said, "Dave, I want you to know the backstory in case somebody happen in case something happens. This is kind of like a situation where somebody threatens your life or something, and you say, I want there to be proof if something happens to me that you know, something bad is going to happen. It was probably that guy." A player's coach called me and said he called him a, I'm not going to use the verbiage, a GD something during practice. This player is this guy's son and said, we are very, very Christian and we are very, very strong in our beliefs. 
And if he ever uses that language again, I'm going to be real honest with you. I don't know that my son's going to be able to withhold the anger. And if he gets charged with assault, I just want you to know that this is the baseline before it ever happened. And that's the type of guy that you're, you wouldn't mind cheating on. That's the type of guy that you don't care to withhold and up, you know, I, I, I guess prop up would be the best word. That's the type of guy. And that's who Butch Jones was. Yeah. And ask his former assistants, most many of whom have nothing nice to say about him anymore. I mean, he had assistants leave for lesser jobs all the time at Tennessee. It was a massive. Okay. So when Derek Dooley lost his staff members from 2011 to 2012, that was, they were worried about, they were worried that Derek, they knew the writing was on the wall that he was going to get fired and they needed to find other jobs. You remember that whole staff poaching? Yes. Butch Jones was having staff members leave like on, on a rotational basis before then. From Mike DeBoer to Mike Behaikin to John Jancic to Zach Azani. And like almost all of them were lateral moves. Mike DeBoer left Butch jo- Mike DeBoer was Butch Jones's offensive coordinator and then left to go become the offensive coordinator at Indiana. Who leaves for the same position at Indiana? Honestly. Nobody. Um, I thought that was a huge red flag at the time. Elias says if Jones had been coaching under current transfer rules, dot, dot, dot. Well, I go ahead and tell you a lot of kids would have left. That's the dot, dot, dot. Kids left when he was there before the transfer rules. A lot of kids were leaving. Yeah, that's that's your magic ellipses there. There's no magic at Campbell Cunningham, Taylor Hahn. There's just great coverage of taking care of your eyes. And they're all over the uh, Tennessee area, especially Knoxville with their regular vision centers, but they also have LASIK surgery that will take care of your vision. My distance vision is completely taken care of working on my up close and man, Campbell Cunningham, Taylor and Han is fantastic. Their follow-ups, they care about you. They're not just bringing in doctors from anywhere. If you have any type of surgery that you need whatsoever, it's Campbell Cunningham, Taylor and Han. When it comes to your eyes, they take care of you. And they're local, local, local. That's a big deal. Why Georgia has a big problem, but Kirby Smart's not admitting it in two minutes. Off the Hook Sports with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Sun, sand, and salt water. The beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vasti's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vasti Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Hey folks, Gary Viles here, Viles Automotive on Callahan Drive. I've been selling cars here in East Tennessee for 27 years. In that time, I've come to realize it's not about the car. It's about you, the customer. So I'm here to take care of you just like family. Good credit, bad credit, you name it, we can get you taken care of. If we don't have it, we can find it for you. We go across the country to get any vehicle that you want. And here at Viles Automotive, we don't believe in fake numbers. We just give you great deals. And as always, we want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. 
We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Chattanooga, we're at it again. For the fifth year in a row, you voted us best of the best criminal and DUI law firm. And finalists for best law firm and best personal injury firm. Thank you for the love, Chattanooga. We won't let you down. Our family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. The internet is full of pictures of each and every one of you. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off The Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Is there nothing you people can't do? Also available on OffTheHookSports.com. Some new people jumping on board, so please hit that like button. We appreciate that. If you haven't subscribed yet, you got to do it. We'll have Cooper Mays coming up this week. We'll have Jacob Warren. Some good videos of them where we had an opportunity with the offseason just to kind of talk to them as people and players. And also, I have a major announcement coming up that we're excited about putting some final touches on a new feature on our YouTube channel. So be sure you hit that subscribe button. And turn your notifications on if you're listening on the audio platforms. And we have the app, so you can download the app on Android or Apple. Super easy, but be sure and turn those notifications on because it's more than just weekdays at 10 Eastern. It's a lot more than that. We're going to continue, and we're excited. And Caleb, by the way, is in New York City, and he's uh, scouting out top prospects. New York City has a lot of ties to Tennessee football recruiting. Jared Garantano announced his commitment in Madison Square Garden, I think. And then you had uh, Hendon Hooker and Cedric Tillman that were up there this past offseason talking about how much NIL money they could make. And nothing speaks to a prospect like how much money they can make. Uh, no, not at all. It's the best recruiting tool there is. <laughs> and I mean... I said, I said five years ago, if Tennessee wanted to get relevant again, they should they should get ahead of this and just start spending money on players even before it was allowed in the NCAA. He's just thumbed their nose at the NCAA. And, you know, there would have been a few other schools joined. You would just have Tennessee, Texas, and Florida play each other every year, and they'd be the only three schools that anybody cares to watch because all the players would go there. <laughs> I love it. All right, so a question about uh, Jalen Hurd and – 
um, said Smoky Mountain Red said uh, Heard would have owned the rushing title at Tennessee, so something was going on. Uh, Alvin was better, but still, what kid wouldn't want that record at any school? Well, they heard, from my understanding, wanted to move to another position because they thought it would best suit him in the NFL. Now, why did uh, uh, Kamara not play more? Well, I think Jalen Hurd was paid. I think that's the problem with pay. That's ultimately the problem with paying players is because they say, well, if you don't play me, then I'm going to tell that you paid me. Yeah. Don't have as much proof on that. I think that more was look, Jalen Hurd was Butch Jones's first real recruit to sell that. You talked about all the time. He tried to sell what he was doing on the recruiting trail, like ahead of anything else and went out of his way to call um, recruiting services to bump the star ratings of people, which Sounds like they would be more than happy to do for Tennessee because Tennessee has such a big following on these websites. Um, and we knew at the time Jalen Hurd was not a great fit for Butch Jones' system anyway, but Butch Jones didn't care because the stars were there and he could sell that, uh, what he's doing on the trail. So there, there was a lot of politicking going on with that. Kamara was better. Jalen Hurd also, I'm not going to defend him. I mean, I don't know if you guys know that his mom would trash Kamara like publicly. Like that, there's some craziness. There's some bitterness on Jalen Hurd's end too. So I'm not really going to fully defend him. Very much. Um, Travis says, just smash the like button. Are you too good to press the like button? Come on. In the Chris Farley voice. Come on. I can't really do Chris Farley, but I did watch uh, a good uh, interview with uh, David Spade and um, who was the other guy? I can't remember. Dana Carvey, about who would be your all-star cast. So if you had to choose the wild guy, would it be Belushi or would it be Farley? The wild guy in your all-star SNL cast, Belushi or Farley? I mean, I wasn't, honestly, it was a little bit before my watching SNL time. I have to be honest with you, but from what I know, I'd probably go Farley. I'd love to disagree with you, just better content, but yeah, it's Farley. And I love Belushi. The Blues Brothers is a great, great movie. But all right, today's tough question brought to you by City Heating and Air Conditioning, cityheatandair.com. Integrity matters. Uh, Chase saying love the channel and the balls keep up the great work, Dave. We appreciate it. And the rest of your team, it's Caleb. He, I'm just the window dressing. And at Vintage Orange. But Chase, I need to tell you, be sure you subscribe to Off the Hook because I know we're on both channels. You need to be sure and subscribe to the Off the Hook channel on youtube i know that's a little bit uh confusing but uh we're confusing so today's tough question brought to you by city heating and air conditioning integrity matters cityheatandair.com today's tough question take a side take a stand the dave hooker show a presentation of off the hook sports.com if i can let me give you a little bit of history on your national champions, the Georgia Bulldogs. So you may know that they've won two national titles. I would be sure that you've known that, actually. And then you may also know that Jalen Carter was recently arrested for drag racing, which I thought got a little bit old when I was like 18. But anyway, Jalen Carter with everything on the line, actually like 16, became at least the third member of Georgia's football 2022 national championship team to be charged with reckless driving. A fourth was charged with DUI and a fifth was alleged to have gone 34 miles over the speed limit when he was arrested. In total, nine Georgia players have been arrested 
in the last 13 and a half months. So today's tough question is, I don't even think it's if or does Georgia have a discipline problem, but how bad is their discipline problem? You phrase it however you would like, Caleb, but they've got a discipline problem. They've got a huge one. And we know the Jalen Carter drag racing event is um, connected to, unfortunately, a fatality. Um, I believe of another Georgia football player, right? Yes. So police charged Carter. This is Wednesday for reckless driving and for drag racing January the 15th with UGA recruiting staffer Chandler LaCroix. From, so you've got more than one um, that are involved, and I'll continue to get the rest of them. From downtown Athens at about 2.30 a.m., uh, when she crashed a Ford Expedition being rented by UGA Athletics uh, on Barnett Shoals Road. Police say she was going 104 miles an hour. She and offensive lineman Devin Wilcott died. Her blood alcohol limit was uh, 197.197 which is more than twice the legal limit. So first, prayers to those two families. I can't possibly even imagine. But when you have three people that are within your football program, actually it would be four, you, you, you have to say this is a systemic problem. You have, you have a team, not literally a full team of 85 players, but you have a team of people, Caleb, that are going out and hitting the clubs and getting hammered, and then they think it's a good idea to go drag racing after that. That is a lot of bad, stupid decisions made all at once. I don't have sympathy for anybody that gets a DUI that results in somebody's death, but it's one thing to say, hey, I had too much. I was just trying to get home. It's another thing to say, I'm going to go over 100 miles an hour and race somebody. To me, those are two very different things, both uh, I hold in high disdain, but those are both troublesome. And that's a group of people. That's not one person who went out on his own. Caleb, I think they got big-time issues, big, big-time issues. I do. I think the bigger part of the issue is that Kirby Smart is pretending they don't have issues. And I think that, Dave, you co- I know you covered Tennessee late 90s, early 2000s. Look. The undoing of Tennessee football, there were a lot of things that caused it, but they had a lot of people getting in trouble. And it was called the Do you remember the Fulmer Cup? Yeah, but that's funny because I was created by a Florida fan. The senior Urban Meyer was hired in Florida. And so we right. but but it was still kind of appropriate because Tennessee was having so many people get in trouble. Yeah, so, they had like eleven arrests like one off season. Yeah. So it was it was embarrassing, but it was also a sign of The program was losing some of its discipline. If you lose discipline off the field, you're going to eventually lose discipline on the field. And that's also going to affect recruiting. You and I talked about this two weeks ago, how Colorado in the 80s and 90s had such a good football program because players who would have gone to USC, their parents wanted them out of town. And their parents wanted them out of Southern California. That happened all the time. Mm -hmm. You know when you start getting these issues, parents of certain players – you might have issues are going to try to steer that they're not going to want them in that environment on those teams when it comes to recruiting and they're going to steer them away. I, I think that's absolutely what happened to Tennessee right after that 2004 wave of arrests in 2005, their 2006 recruiting class was awful. I mean, God awful. Um, and I think that there was a connection there and not talking about it only makes it worse. Just to give you a point on this, 
Dave, you know I'm a Grizzly fan, and for the past like two months, I've been telling everybody John Morant is moving stupid. He's acting dumb. It's going to cost him. And I'm sure you heard about what he did this past yes. weekend. And it's not stopping at two games, by the way. He might get 50 games because if he had the gun in Denver, that means he took a gun on the team plane, and guns are banned from team facilities in the NBA. So he's in way more trouble than just this two-game suspension right now. And I, I kept saying it, and everybody was just laughing like, oh, we love his brashness, yada, yada, yada. And look at where he is now. And the Grizzlies season is probably done because of it. And it's a problem with Georgia. By the way, Tennessee uniquely, we can talk about this openly. Tennessee's uniquely connected to this with this experience because they had plenty of traffic legal incidents that were really serious involving former players. I mean, I can name three, and I'm not going to right off the bat, that were involved in that played from about 97 to 2001 that were involved in traffic fatalities at some point. Here, here's the thing that I, I, I want people to realize is with this NIL money, it's very possible to just go buy a eight $900 Beretta with basically you're just spending money. You know, whereas coming across a gun probably for a guy who's struggling to get through college and isn't getting a lot of handouts, um, which the big players always were, but it's a lot easier to go buy a gun. And at that age, unless you've been raised with guns, and I have nothing against guns. I don't want to get to Second Amendment debate, but it's a lot easier to go buy those fast cars and go buy those nice guns. And it's a status symbol with a lot of people. So that this is going to be something that I think college football is going to have to deal with moving forward. It's not like you can go get a gun. And Tyler Smith had a gun that wasn't registered and the, uh, the serial number was scratched off. He probably got that on the black market, you would think. Um, so, and it was probably a little bit cheaper. There's not going to be any hindrance, financial hindrance for any player with some NIL cash to be able to go and get that type of gun. But here's the other thing that's a, it's more detailed. I always felt like since the day that Nick Saban kicked off a linebacker named Jimmy John, I think was his name. It was his first year at Alabama and he was uh, slinging cocaine in the athletic department parking lot, which is frowned upon. So I believe firmly that he set the standard at that point, Caleb, that, you aren't going to be able to do really stupid things. And this is a really stupid thing. And, but I believe that when you played for Alabama, you knew it was going to be tough, but there was some virtue involved and that he, he cared for you. Talking to somebody last week before all of this came out, there, there was a situation in which this person knows recruiting really well and knows inner workings of the programs of Georgia and Tennessee, for instance. And he said there's a more wholesome feel around Tennessee. And this person didn't have any allegiances to either. It is a business in Athens. It is a business in which they want to churn out championships and top NFL prospects. And I've got no problem with that. And some guys are going to be just fine with that because they're all business when they're 18. But we're still talking about young men that could use some guidance I'm going to be really frank with you. I think that this, if Kirby Smart doesn't address it, could be a serious, serious issue. Now, if he keeps winning, nobody cares. But at some point, 
these issues continue to mount up. And Caleb, that to me, if I'm a Georgia fan right now, is deeply concerning. Yes, I agree. Um, part of the Nick Saban thing, though, I got to be honest with you, that was to give himself credibility for future situations. I mean, there was the player, was it, I forget his name, the defensive lineman that he that got kicked out of Georgia for a serious sexual assault incident, I think, in like 2014 or 2015. And then he took him on, and, I mean, he did not like Paul Feinbaum questioning him about that at all. And he got really upset about the matter. And players, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but, but let me just ask you this. Who do you, th- I mean, they're not the exact same person, even though they look like it at times, but let me ask you this. If, if it's your kid, who are you sending them to Nick Saban or Kirby smart? And this isn't just because of these latest incidents, but Nick Saban has a long record of, not having a rash of incidents like this. And there were some outtakes of Kirby Smart around the national championship game that I thought were a little abrasive. And a little bit, you know, having an 18-year-old son, and maybe I'm soft, guys. If I'm soft, call me out on the message board. And I'm like, I would rather have some, I'm sure Josh Heupel curses. <laughs> sure, all that happens. I'm sure players, coaches curse and all that. But th- there were times I saw some things that, Kirby Smart, it felt a little too NFL-like. Yeah, I mean, if you ask me that straight up, yeah, I'd rather Nick Saban. I mean, all day, every day. You're right. Nick Saban has – there's more of a body of work there over the years, even though I think in many ways to a degree Nick Saban's a bit of a fraud in terms of his pretend character – I'm sorry, his – his sanctimoniousness just annoys me to no end. But at at least he pretends. I don't feel like Kirby Smart even pretends. No, he doesn't, and it, it it's – look, we're going to have to see where this goes going forward. I mean, you know that this is – it gets harder and harder the more successful your programs get, and you're right, with NIL money, it's only going to get worse. Um, so that, that may be the telling story of Nick Saban to be able to have this success over the course of 15 years. And you're right, have a couple incidences, but not things get out of hand. Kirby Smart's just won two national titles. We don't know how much longer this is going to go, but he's at his peak right now. And it shows how hard it is to maintain that peak. I mean, you know, some coaches, I'm not putting Kirby Smart in the Urban Meyer category yet, you know, where the, my player just tried to blind somebody on the field and I'm only going to suspend him for a half because middle fingers to everybody in the SEC. <laughs> and he, or he hasn't gone to that level yet. Elias says, I'm more concerned with my kids' emotional and personal development so they can be happy and well-adjusted adult than anything else. I agree. And I think Nick Saban does care about that. Now, is he a little sanctimonious? Yes, Caleb. I'm not arguing that point at all, but I think he he cares more than right now what I've seen Kirby Smart. Uh, Smoky Mountain Red says Kirby on a fast track to a hot seat once they go two or three years without a natty if this is if this off-field issues off-field stuff continues. You are right. And let me tell you exactly how I know you're right. Because when Tennessee lost the SEC championship game in 2001, there were already some people that were upset about the off-field incidents. Now, if you win that game and you go play for a national title against Miami, one of the best teams in, in my lifetime. The most talented team ever. Yeah. So if, if you lose that game, you still played for your second national title in three years. Okay. So – you're, it's it, you can beat off the wolves pretty easily that are upset about discipline. 
But when they lost that, the Wolves had a little bit more power. And they got a little bit more power in 2005 when things didn't go well. And they had all the power they needed in 2008. So that whole thing started. And if I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to compare apples to apples because it's not. Kirby Smart has already had more success. And I think it was a better coach than Philip Fulmer. But there's the tie there where you give a guy a little bit longer because he actually played for that school as Philip Fulmer had. But at some point, the championships are not going to look nearly as good. And I don't want this to sound harsh, but they're not going to look nearly as good if, if you have people that are continuing to be suffer irreparable harm, such as death, around your program. That's that's going to be tough for a lot of people, a lot of people to swallow if this happens on somewhat of a regular basis. Caleb, I, I mean, he has to address this, and and the problem is once it starts to slip out of your control, it's really hard to get back. It's easy for a coach to go from being a disciplinarian to, hey, I was a little too tough on these guys, I'm going to lighten up, as opposed to being a player's coach and then tighten up. It's hard to go the other way. And here's the other point. With um, NIL money, you talk about how it makes it, – it's opening the door for players to be able to afford to do crazy things. Well, depending on where you are in the NIL level, and you and I know this, Georgia is way behind the curve on NIL. They're not where they need to be on NIL. They're not on Tennessee's level. They're not on Alabama's level or Texas A&M's level or Texas's level or Miami's level. They, I think they're closer to Florida's level, which we know Florida has no idea what they're doing with NIL. With the new age of NIL, a school like Georgia that's not there has to be a little more – Has to, they can't afford to be as selective recruiting as they used to be. You know, what really did Fulmer in was the emergence of Georgia under Mark Rick and the emergence of some other SEC programs in the early 2000s. He wasn't able to be as selective on the recruiting trail because he had more competition to recruit the best players. So he had to get a little more desperate to just bring in the best players he could possibly bring in. Do aside some background checks, should we say. Kirby Smart's having to probably do that a little more of that, too. He, he could have been in a position where he wouldn't have to do that because, as you and I have talked about, Georgia is a top three easiest job in America. But because they're behind the curve on NIL, look, I, I don't think you're that far around the corner from Tennessee and Alabama marching into the state and getting in, and, and competing on Georgia's level with the best players in that state. Great stuff. Please hit that like button if you haven't already. If you haven't subscribed to the Off the Hook channel on youtube you've got to do that we got the app turn your notifications on so that you can get the very latest it's more than just the daily show at 10 a.m weekdays eastern time he's caleb calhoun i'm dave hooker it's a monday and a lot to talk about we'll be back with you on tuesday check out that youtube channel hit the subscribe and like button <clears throat> turn the notifications on and I'll be 100% by tomorrow. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a production of Off the Oak Sports. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.